0: Hello, my name's Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week.
1: Coming up today, Tom will look at the crash of a Boeing 737 fighting wildfires in Australia and the Airbus Qatar drama has finally been resolved. I'll look at the latest.
0: Last week I promised to talk a little bit about Etihad's A380s and then Joe will tell us about a near miss in the USA this week.
1: Finally, Tom looks at how the mighty Antonov AN225 will be back in the skies later this month, but not how you might expect.
0: So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to talk about what is, in my opinion, the biggest story this week so far. Um, and that is that uh, a 737 crashed fighting fires in Australia um, And, you know, I found it quite interesting because usually when a plane of such a size crashes, you know, it's like international news everywhere. Everyone's reporting about it. But this kind of seems to have been sort of swept under the main rug. You know, it's only really the aviation sites that have picked up on it at all. Um, It might be because there were only two pilots on board um, and both of them survived with minor injuries. But still, you know, it's... um, It's, um, you know, after the whole Max debacle a couple of years ago, to me, it seemed like, you know, any minor 737 incident, even if it was on like a Dash 100, was front and center news. Um, But anyway... What happened? Well, uh, November 619 uh, Sierra Whiskey is operated by a company called Colson Aviation, who specializes in firefighting aircraft. And in, uh, on Monday afternoon in Australia, so morning in, um, in Europe, uh, it departed from Brusselton Airport, uh, Bustleton Airport, even, sorry, south of Perth. And that's on Australia's west coast. So it took off at uh, 15 local time. According to data from flightradar24.com, it climbed to 29,000 feet en route to assist firefighting efforts in the Fitzgerald River National Park. And, you know, this is the third time it had been to the area in the day. It descended to around 700 feet to drop um, whatever was in its belly on the fire. I'm not sure if it was just water or if it was something sort of, maybe some sort of fire retardant um, substance. Um, But, you know, as it was climbing out of having dropped all of this Stuff it managed to reach a feat of around 1,800 feet and then started to descend again and crashed in the vicinity of the fire it had been fighting. Um, at the time, a police spokesperson from the um. Western Australia police said that two pilots on board uh, were retrieved from the crash site by helicopter and airlifted to an airport. Both survived the crash with minor injuries. Um, They were both taken to hospital and discharged, I think, later that day or the next day. Colson Aviation said one of our 737 Fireliner tanker 139 operating in Western Australia was involved in an accident while tasked to fight a fire on Monday, 6th of February, 2023. The aircraft had two crew on board at the time of the accident. Both walked away from the crash and have been medically assessed. We're grateful that um, that they're safe, basically, and um, blah, blah, blah. Um,
1: Amazing that they walked away from that, really, isn't it?
0: I know. I'm thinking it must have been a very controlled like crash and crash you know, um, yeah um, <laughs> if there is such a thing <laughs> yeah i haven't seen any um any photos of um, the aftermath yet other than just some pictures of black smoke but uh, i guess mm. dropping an uh, aircraft full of you know it would have had quite a bit of fuel on board because it would have been flying back half an hour or whatever it was to wherever it'd taken off from so i guess adding all of that to a wildfire scene isn't the best um solution mm. in the world but um you you know, we'll see what happens um, in that. Like Talk I said, about you know, generating
1: business for themselves, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, is it, it's interesting because I, I looked a bit at this aircraft as well. Because you know, if you say 737-300, that immediately flags a sort of like that sounds incredibly old. And you mm. know, there's a picture of the plane taking off, and you can. see It's like one of these old ones where you can see the black coming out of the engines. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a 27.32-year-old aircraft. And according to our friends over at CH Aviation, it was built in 1995. So it's a little bit older than me, actually. Um, and it was delivered to Southwest Airlines in November that year. And they flew it for around just under 22 years. So it left the fleet in August 2017 um you know it maintained the old southwest registration and joined Coulson Aviation in June 2019 um but you know it, it, it obviously a 737 doesn't naturally carry water in its belly um so they had to convert that and its uh, data from flight radar shows that it's only been fighting fires since last summer um so i would assume Coulson haven't really got their money's worth out of it at this point um It had clocked uh, 69,000 flight hours um, when it left the Southwest fleet. So uh, yeah, that was my first story for the day. And I mean, miraculous that it was so uneventful that it failed to make uh, international news.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a beautiful livery as well. Mm. It's a really nice looking little plane. So, shame to see that one um, no longer in service. Um, mm. But some planes that are coming back into service, by the looks of it, are Qatar's Airbus A350s. Because if you were listening to last week's podcast, you will remember that Tom jumped in with some breaking news at the very end that the Airbus Qatar Airways paint conflict had reached an amicable end. So, as a brief reminder, the two sides had been at odds over paint degradation on the surface of the A350s. Um, Qatar maintained it was a safety issue. Airbus maintained it was just cosmetic. Um, Anyway, the argument ended up in High Court in London. But last week, as we were recording the podcast, both sides released a statement which read, Qatar Airways and Airbus are pleased to have reached an amicable and mutually agreeable settlement in relation to their legal dispute over A350 surface degradation and the grounding of the A350 aircraft. A repair project is now underway and both look forward to getting these aircraft safely back in the air. The details of the settlement are confidential... ...and the parties will now proceed to discontinue their legal claims. This settlement is not an agreement or admission of liability for either party... This will enable Qatar Airways and Airbus to move forward and work together as partners. Um, That last bit really kind of (laughs) (laughs) rang um, some odd bells in my head because they haven't been working together as very nice partners. And you've got to think that there's going to be some bad blood between those two for a while. It's been a pretty messy conflict. Um, So although the statement suggests neither party is being held accountable for the issues, it's really good to see that it's the end of the court case because both of them were suffering reputational damage from what was going on. Going on there, there was, you know, Airbus was being accused of influencing regulators. Qatar, as well, was being accused of influencing its regulator. You know, the, the trust was diminishing in both these companies very quickly. Um, and as the case closed, both parties signed off with this inference that they want to move forward as partners. Um, Clearly, the first step in this process will be to reinstate previously cancelled orders for the airplanes. So, if you remember, back in January 21, um, Qatar filed a court... appeal in which it sought over $600 million in damages from Airbus. And this immediately saw the plane maker cancelling the airline's outstanding order for 50 Airbus A321 Neos. Um, this then saw Qatar turning to Boeing for its narrowbody needs, and it placed an order for 50 737 MAX on January the 31st. So just like a couple of weeks later, um, alongside some orders for the 777X Freighter, um, Airbus also removed the outstanding A350 orders by Qatar from its order books. Um, They said to us that this was a reaction to Qatar's repeated refusal of deliveries of these aircraft. Both the parties have now confirmed to Simple Flying, however, that these orders will all be reinstated. So this adds with Qatar a backlog of the 50 A321 Neos and 23 Airbus A350s. Um, Hopefully, we'll start to see those delivered soon. Um, But regardless of how they feel about each other, they're going to have to work together because Qatar does already have 53 A350s in its fleet, including 19 of the 1,000s and 34 of the 900s reportedly 22 of these aircraft have been grounded by the QCAA due to damage to the paintwork, although Qatar has never actually um, presented evidence to that fact. But that's another story, um, which I think we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, but Qatar is going to want to see these airplanes repaired, presumably at a cost to Airbus. Um, however, it's not going to be a big kind of massive operation. Um, so Airbus has come up with this solution, which was actually more of a happy accident than a solution. for the paint cracking so they've tried a new type of copper foil on some of their newer a350s and it was actually developed to reduce weight on the aircraft uh, but it comes with the happy side effect of reducing the paint cracking too so i thought well maybe they're going to put this foil on Qatar's twenty-two A350s, but no, it seems that they will just be repainted, which is what Airbus offered to do. What three years ago now? <laughs> so um, all this toing and froing, and we've gone back to square one. Um, but the good news is that they can hopefully move on from here, and that we'll hopefully see the A321 in service with Qatar eventually, which I think is going to look really cool in their livery. So uh, end of the story for now. And we'll see if there's uh, <laughs> any more fallout from that. <laughs>
0: mm. Well, um, I mean, it's I'd, I'd love to see both of the the 737 and the 320 in the Qatar livery. Um, but, you know, I was wondering, they always said that the A380 was only coming back as a sort of, you know, we need capacity because the 350s are grounded. So I kind of wonder what this means for the future of their A380s, but uh, we know a little bit more about the future of somebody else's A380s now. And um, that is Etihad. So, you know, we've known for quite a while that they were, they're coming back. And um, a couple of weeks ago now, um, one of them flew for the first time in like, two, three years. Um, so that was really exciting for me, obviously. But, you know, I did some digging on it and it seems like quite an interesting story. So I wanted to talk about it a bit more. Um, so, you know, it's the aircraft was A6 APG, Alpha 6 Alpha Papa Golf. Um, And this has the sort of Visit South Korea livery on the side of it. So um, I prefer the Visit London one and I think they should bring back the Visit London one because they're going to fly to London. So if you're working at Etihad and listening, um, that plane next, please. (laughs) Get that Um, one
1: out of storage next, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, But yeah, basically um, a couple of weeks ago, the aircraft took off from Terrell in Spain where lots of A380s are being stored. And um, then it flew to Tarbes, which is uh, both of these airports are operated by the Tarmac Aerosave brand. They're basically, they look after airplane maintenance, airplane storage, and also scrapping airplanes. Um, What I found particularly interesting about this flight, you know, it's, There is a straight line between Tarbes and Tyrrell as there is between any airport on Earth, Uh, but the A380 didn't follow that straight line. Instead, it only took uh, left-hand turns and sort of, you know, if you look at the bit where France meets Spain, um, there's kind of like a line between the two. And then the the, the flight between the two airports would kind of take it right through the middle of that line. But instead, it sort of went out to the coast and sort of went around it. Um, So, you know, I don't know whether it was, you know, I was kind of thinking this thing hasn't flown for three years. So maybe they just want to be a bit cautious. And, you know, if the worst really does happen, you can just glide it down into the sea. But then, um, you know, I was looking at the Lufthansa flights that also left and they've just flown straight over the the land, so um, it's pro- maybe not that, but um, you know, I was looking into it a bit more, and uh, you know, why why just shuffle it between two nearby airports? You may be asking. Uh, I believe this is because of what can be done at Tubbs and can't be done at Terrell. Uh, so Terrell, you know, they can't do a gear swing test on the A three eighty, and what a gear swing test is is you basically put the A three eighty up on jacks and then you cycle the gear so it all comes up and then all goes down. And by doing that, you can check it works basically, because the last thing you want is to take off and bring the gear up and then you can't drop it down again. Um, You know, this wasn't such a problem for Lufthansa because Frankfurt isn't so far from Tyrell. So they just flew the whole flight with the gear down. But, you know, gear, it adds drag when you're flying. So Lufthansa, you know, they had to go um, a lot slower than they would have usually, and it uses a lot more fuel. Um, And, you know, my my thinking has not been confirmed, but my thinking is... um, with the gear down, you know, um, Abu Dhabi would just be totally out of the range of the aircraft. Um, But, you know, I did reach out to Tarmac Air and one of their um, uh, spokespeople told me that TARBS does have the facilities to conduct a gear swing test on the A380. So, you know, it would kind of if you put two and two together, you get four here. Although, uh, you know, we've also done that before and got five. So I don't want to say that is the answer, um, but, um, you know, it's, this is where my thinking currently is. Um, but, you know, it's, it's great to see the plane flying again, because like I said, this particular plane, its last passenger flight was now almost three years ago. It was uh, EY-100 from New York to Abu Dhabi on March 18th, 2020. And that was just six days before the UAE government grounded all passenger flights to and from the country. Um, it ended up going to storage on April 19th, 2021, and it's been in Terrell ever since. And, you know... Um, it's been an interesting one, I think, watching Etihad's plans, because uh, I know you spoke to Tony Douglas a few times back when he was the CEO, and he, he, he never would say that the A380 wasn't coming back, whereas, no. you know, Carsten <laughs> over at Lufthansa, uh, uh, you know, he was fairly certain the A380 is not coming back. So it was a bit of a surprise when they brought it back. But, you know, I've always kind of believed that um, Etihad would bring the A380 back. And, I mean, I can't wait to see them, Hopefully, I reckon. And they'll fly right over my house because I see the uh, Dubai London A380 go over quite a lot so looking forward to seeing that too
1: mm, that's exciting and uh, of course the residence is coming back if the A380 is coming yes. back so uh, another chance for us maybe to get that press flight on the best seat <laughs> in the sky but uh, yeah let's hope has listening
0: yeah I'm happy to take the fall on that one yeah <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to recap um, a runway incident in the USA. So you remember just a couple of weeks ago, another one, we were discussing an incident at JFK where a Delta Airlines 737 was into its takeoff role and had to abort very quickly due to an American Airlines 777 crossing the runway. That was a bit hair raising. But now a second near miss has raised this question about safety at airports again. So it involved a Cancun-bound Southwest Airlines flight with 123 passengers and five crew on board. It um, was a Boeing 737-700 operating the flight. Um, and it was coming out of Austin Airport, where actually it was very early in the morning and there was very poor visibility conditions. So they were flying instrument flight rules. Um but also incoming to the airport was a FedEx aircraft a Boeing 767 it had departed from Memphis and was cleared to land on runway 18 left around 6:40 that morning however Southwest got its takeoff clearance and FedEx was about 3 nautical miles from the end of the runway the FedEx pilot got confirmation of clearance to land when it was 2 miles away from the runway Moments after this, Southwest began its takeoff roll. And when it starts to roll, FedEx is only half a nautical mile away from the runway and moving at about 162 miles an hour. Um, so FedEx called to Southwest to abort and they were, um, Southwest was already 364 metres down the runway and was starting to climb. So FedEx managed to abort its landing um, and initiated a climb out. Southwest Airlines did safely depart and arrived at its destination absolutely fine. But if you look at this on flight radar, the, you know it's just crazy. You see the kind of the one airplane coming down and the other airplane underneath it going out. And it was just such a, a scary near miss. Now, of course, the NTSB and the FAA are investigating. Um, but since this happened, it's really come out of the wash just how close these airplanes got. So um, the chair of the NTSB, Jennifer Homedy, said that preliminary information showed the FedEx Boeing 767 was probably under 100 feet vertically from the Southwest Airlines 737. So that's about 30 meters, and that's not very far in aviation terms. Clearly, this could have been a catastrophic event. Um, but thankfully, FedEx Realised what was going on and managed to abort its descent in time. Um, however, David Balter, who's the FAA's acting head of aviation safety, said the recent two events are really pointing to some serious issues in terms of safety. In um, a quote to Reuters, he said, we need to double down on what's causing these, what we have missed in our voluntary systems and what we've missed in our data. Um, so there's going to be some real scrutiny of the FAA. And there's nobody kind of in charge of safety at the moment at the FAA, which is a bit of a weird one. Um, The last person left some time ago, and they haven't appointed a new one. So I think that will be high on the priority. And with all of this, and of course, the NOTAM failure in January, I think maybe their systems are going to be due for a bit of an overhaul as well. But uh, thankfully, it all came out all right in the end. But it's probably the nearest miss we've seen for a very, very long time in modern aviation.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, I'm happy that You know, nothing bad happened because I would always rather report on a near miss than a horrible Mm. accident. Um, But fingers crossed that, you know, they sort of work out what's going on and, you know, stop it in the future.
1: Mm, definitely.
0: I wanted to wrap up with a little bit more of a, a cheerful story depending on how you see it. Um <laughs> and that is the world's biggest airplane, the AN-225, and you know a lot of our coverage of it recently hasn't been cheerful because it's all included the pictures of it just sitting destroyed in its hangar in Hostomel in Ukraine. But the plane is going to fly again. Yay! Yay! Um, but it's not going to fly how you might be thinking. So You might be thinking, well, you know, he's saying it's going to fly again. What's going on? Well, um, Antonov, the the Antonov company has teamed up with Microsoft um, and they've basically signed an agreement to bring the world's largest plane to Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, So, you know, it's quite interesting, um, the whole story, because um, it's not just going to be like a free update, you know, they're not just going to be like, here's the plane, fly it. Um, Antonov and Microsoft are going to charge roughly $20 for this aircraft. Um If you want to fly it in your flight simulator, you've got to pay $20. Um, But any profits at the sale of this downloadable content are going to be sent to Ukraine to fund and rebuild the destroyed aircraft because, you know, they said several times, um, they want to. I don't know if the the plan right now is to rebuild the the destroyed one or to keep working on the sort of unfinished one. Um, but they have said they want to rebuild that. Um, and you know, it's 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 quite interesting because this has been kind of kept a secret. Uh, it's not like they've just signed the deal today and they're going to start working on it. They've actually been working on it for a long time. And the, the project is almost finished. They want to uh, release the aircraft on February 27th. And this coincides with the day that the original aircraft was destroyed last year. It's also going to be coming to Xbox at a later date as part of update 12. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's... There's really no holes barred in creating this because, um, They even got uh, Dmitry Antonov, who you know is the sort of chief pilot of this huge aircraft. Um, He's been involved in the sort of designing and he's flown it and he's, um, you know, he's very happy with what he saw. He said, today, I'm happy to welcome you aboard the world's largest transport plane, uh, AN-225 Maria in the Microsoft Flight Simulator game. We're so grateful to everyone who is helping us in the recovery of this glorious giant. I sincerely wish you enjoy the beautiful unique feeling of flight when it is in your hands mm-hmm. that comes alive a multi-unsurpassed bird, a mighty unsurpassed bird, which feels so <laughs> beautiful, light and graceful in the sky. Um,
1: He's such a poet.
0: <laughs> he is. Um, but, you know, he um, he was part of a live stream from Microsoft where they revealed this and they they have a walk around of outside and inside the plane and um, it's embedded in our article. So if you, you are interested... Um, definitely have a look at that um, but you know I'm I'm excited to see this um, you know I just think how is it going to handle?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't flight sim, so I don't, I can't really comment on that, but it's a pretty cool addition and an innovative way to raise some money as well, I think. Um, But something that I found that I thought was pretty cool was on um, Google maps. You can actually find the AN225 and do a like walkthrough tour. Oh yeah. Um, You can't get to the cockpit, which I was really frustrated with, but you can walk through the cargo bay and you can climb the ladder up to the crew rest area um, Um, Which is, yeah, pretty cool experience if you want to have a good look around. There's lots of kind of stickers and little cool things. There's a calendar of an airport that one of my friends works at. So, yeah, it was a pretty cool thing to do. Um, So, yeah, are you going to be getting it for your flight sim, Tom? Well, I'm
0: just wondering if I need to um, sort of start us writing more about flight sim and um, just get like um, simple flying to pay for it all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can try. (laughs) Anyway, I think that's all we've got time for today on the podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com.
0: For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying.
1: If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.